The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osman Auction. And now, the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Three goals in the third period for the St. Louis Blues. They knock off the Edmonton Oilers 4-1. That ends the Edmonton Oilers' six-game home ice winning streak. They fall to 18-14 and three on the season. The Oilers' power play tonight goes 0-5. for And obviously a big discussion point is the goal that turned out to be the game winner for the Blues early in the third period. Patrick Maroon, the former Oiler, gets credit. Just his second of the season came at 219 so this was the the jam play in tight off a blues rush where on the replay you at least to me rob you you never see the puck over the goal line so uh and i actually was in contact with a with a former nhl official today who, who reached out and told me what he thought now it appears to me that they ruled the puck was under talbot's left ankle which his leg went back into the net and, and came back out. And then you saw him lift his, his leg up and the puck was there. We've seen goals like this called when a, a goalie might catch the puck or have his hand on it and his hand goes back into the net. And even though you can't see the puck over the line, they say, well, it couldn't have been anywhere else. So we're going to count it. This is a little different because it was a pad and there was a lot of jamming going on. The official I talked to, he's, he said he thought the puck was in the net, but there were two gray areas for him. Number one, did the puck get there legally? Did Maroon hit, hit a loose puck or a free puck, or did he propel the pad into the net? And he said the second question was, was the puck under the pad long enough that the play should have been ruled dead? So there were basically three things that had to be called against the Oilers, the puck being in, the goalie interference, which they challenged, and the play not being ruled dead. They all went St. Louis's way. That's ruled the game-winning goal. But the, the third one, let's start with that one. Does the, the referee has to have initiated or wanted to initiate that so that's not something that you can talk about afterwards no you can't re- you can't review that you can't or nor but nor can the referee look at it and say oh he probably had it long enough i should have called it because if he wasn't going to blow the whistle right. you can't so well, that one's not a gray area anymore well he he could have but they do have that where he said in my mind the play no, was yes dead. i so, agree so but, he, so he could but have that seen, has nothing to do with the replay though but he I, I think he probably could have said oh by the time you guys are telling me it went in in my mind he had it long enough Though it's not directly reviewable, if, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so he, so even if he looks at it, says, "Oh God, you know, I probably should have caught blown it." No, in his yeah. mind, what he was first ruled yes. on the ice. Yeah. yeah, so in that case, that one's probably thrown out. So now it's whether the puck went in. Now, do, do we know? Do they have different replays? Is there something that Sportsnet doesn't have that possibly the NHL had? Possibly. possibly. I, I haven't seen anything. So, I mean, because they seem pretty uh, adamant that it went in. I mean, we've seen ones where you, you're like, "Okay, the puck's got to be in." Like, seriously, right. look at his leg. We can't see the puck, especially on one here, that it wasn't called a goal on the ice. Right. So that was what was weird. So I'm thinking that the NHL has a different re- replay that 
they saw and they said, okay, this has got to be in. And then as for, and this is what's so silly, but we've seen it a couple times at Edmonton, where they make the goal call and then the challenge comes out, which to me just, I mean, the referee should have said, okay, it is a goal and don't bother challenging because we already looked at it this way. The NHL doesn't do it that way. It just it's a longer... The team has to challenge yes, the and it's, yes. And it's like, but he could have given him a wink, say, seriously, don't do it. It's just going to waste more time. Um, it, it, it's unfortunate, but as Bob and I talked about after the game, this was a game the St. Louis Blues were a better team. They outplayed the Edmonton Oilers. They had the better scoring chances. And the Edmonton Oilers had opportunities in this hockey game on their power play to take the lead to, to, to put the St. Louis Blues, you know, push them out of the game. Because St. Louis is a fragile team. But the Oilers' power play, not only did it not score, it gave the St. Louis Blues life. Every time they killed off a penalty, they did it uh, so well that they actually gain momentum off their penalty kills. Well, and, and that's a fair point. I mean, and the Oilers were 0 for 5 on the power play. They were 0 for 5 on the power play when that goal went in. Yep. So, I mean, you can easily make the argument at, at best that should have been the tying goal if everything plays out the same way. The power play wasn't good tonight. Uh, as Bob mentioned, 3 for 30 in their last 10 games. So that's a, that's a huge problem as, as well. And then, again, a third period where they don't generate a lot on the attack. They don't generate a lot of shots. It happened in, uh, happened in Winnipeg, happened in Colorado, where, where they won. Got a point in Winnipeg. Uh, happened in Vancouver. wasn't a great third period. And, and again tonight. So this is a little trend here. Well, I, I think a large part of that is the Oilers' lineup. You know, when the, uh, the Oilers right now have a lot of players on their back end that are playing extended minutes. Guys that either are coming from the press box, coming from the minors, or coming from the third pairing, and now you're asking them to play much bigger minutes. In the third period, they start to tire. And a lot of these players wouldn't be playing in important parts of the third period. Uh, certain teams push. They'll have their push in the third period. Now you've got a fatigued guy that's not used to playing against this team's top players. And it, it's affecting the Oilers. The Oilers are missing three of their top five defensemen out of the lineup. And it eventually shows. Doesn't show in the first, shows halfway through the second. In the third period is when you really notice the players that you're missing. Oilers lose 4-1 to the St. Louis Blues. Before we get to your phone calls and feedback, let's go downstairs and hear from Hitch, courtesy GCL Diesel, genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices, gcldiesel.com. So what was the explanation on the uh, goal early in the third period from first up, it counted and then you wanted the goalie interference? It looked like he'd poked his pad into the, over the line. Um, the way it was explained to us was that uh, he pushed on the puck. He didn't push on the pad. The pad happened to go with the puck. So that was the way it was explained to us. They said they had a view, an overhead view that said that the puck was in before the push started and the look that we had was different. So, you know, what are you going to do? Well, you're, the, the hockey game for me was we had those three chances just before that. And uh, then they came down the ice and got that one chance. And that was a ball game. Ken, it's 1-1 through 40. You guys had 10 minutes of power play time. And O'Connor said he felt it wasn't good on the half wall tonight. It wasn't Chris. What did you see maybe lacking from your, your power play tonight? Had an opportunity to kind of give you a lead early. Um, well, I think, the power, I, I think that we lost the game in the second period. We didn't lose the game in the third period. We lost it in the second period. And we lost it on special teams on power play. And I think our problem is that we're too slow on the flanks. We don't have enough movement on the flanks, and um, we'll get that changed. But we're, 
we're standing still on outside the dots and trying to make plays instead of in attack mode. We're not playing near enough downhill. And uh, like I said, we will get that fixed over the next uh, couple of practices on the 20th, 21st. But that's the major thing for me is that our movement across the top is too slow, both with our feet and with our puck movement, and it allows teams to recover. And, and uh, you know, we're in the zone, but not much is going on. Do you, uh, is the fix there personnel or is it more tactics and did you consider tonight as it was struggling through the first three or four even making some changes in game from a personnel standpoint well really the only change we're going to have to make is on the back end and we haven't even had a hockey practice with them yet so um you know it is what it is right now and uh, we've we've kind of run cold the last three or four games i was helping us before and now it's uh, probably hurting us so we'll like I said, we'll get two practices in, we'll get it fixed and move forward from there. But it's a 1-1 hockey game. It's exactly where you want it at home. And and uh, we were the first team to crack. And, and that's that's unfortunate. I didn't think we had good energy at the start. I thought we really gathered it in in the second period and uh, had some good energy. And then in the in the third period, it uh, seemed like the second goal deflated us and then killing the penalty we did a great job right until the end on killing the penalty and then got scored on late all right that's Oilers head coach Ken Hitchcock after the Oilers lose 4-1 to the Blues Rob we, we've talked about Hitch a lot he's he's a master of saying what he wants regardless what the question is he didn't dwell there on the on the goal call he, he quickly went to some of the play in the second period and obviously addressed the power play concerns and and, and that's going to be a, a, a huge topic here going forward for for Edmonton the, their inability to take control of this game get a lead on the power play uh, what did he say not enough not enough movement too much time on the flanks yeah and what he's saying is and it's true when the, the say it's uh, Dreisaitl or McDavid or Nugent Hopkins those are the guys that usually have the puck on the outside they're looking to make a play and they're taking time to make the play when that when they do that that allows the penalty killers to get back in the right position and the one thing that we talked about at the end of I believe the second period is every play they tried making cross ice the Blues had their sticks in the passing lanes the reason they have it if you take your time to make the pass that allows the players if they were going out at the defenseman to get back into the passing lane if they were going into the corner to pressure a, a, the guy down low allows them to get back into the, the slot area the passing lane so if you move it quickly the players can't get there in time if you take your time looking for the perfect play well that allows them to recover and that's what Hitch was talking about you think Jujar's cross check to the head is going to be looked at by the league absolutely if it isn't it should be yeah. I mean he cross-checked the guy across the head out of anger. Uh, you just can't do that. It, I, I understood he was frustrated. He, he got cro he got cross-checked. It was a two-minute penalty against him. Now, I don't know if they were going to call it had he not cross-checked back. They might not have. But sometimes you got to take a punch to the head for the team. And on that one, he let his emotions get in the way. And uh, it, it, to me, as soon as it happened, I'm like, that's five minutes. It has to be five minutes. And if I'm the National Hockey League, you have to look at that. You do, and whether it's a fine or a game suspension, that can't be in the game. It can't. Just think of it tonight, if that would have been O'Reilly on McDavid. I mean, we would be up in arms. So, Juju Carey, that was a huge mistake that cost the team. 
because that was the, the third goal that he managed to put the game out of reach. Tarasenko eventually got a power. It actually turned into a three-minute power play for the Blues, four on four for two minutes, where the Oilers had the puck for almost the entire time. Then Tarasenko scores on the power play. That made it 3-1. Blues win it 4-1. More post-game reaction coming up. You can reach us at 780-496-0063. We'll bring Dan onto the show. Dan, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead. What a treat it was to drive nine hours from Saskatchewan tonight. $500 for a pair of tickets. 100 um, booze and food to watch Leon Dreisaitl make $8 million a year. He can't be bothered to back check or put any effort in tonight. What a joke that was. I have a question for uh, both you guys, though. Uh, then I'll make a comment after I hear your answer. Top three or four shooters on the Oilers, who are they for you guys? What do you mean shooters? Like goal scorers? Pure shooters, yeah. Pure shooters would probably be McDavid. Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl. And this okay, year, Jason. Okay. But I, would, I, I, I call him more of a garbage guy. Yeah, Cooley Arvey was, you arguably should be up there, though, with his shot. Would you not agree? Nope. I've, I haven't seen it from him yet, so I, I don't know how we could put him there. What, he, does, what, does, what does he have to do to get some power play minutes? You have Tobias Reeder, who doesn't have a goal this year, who's, granted, he's been hurt. What has Tobias Ryder done that Cooley Arvey hasn't to warrant power play time? This is driving crazy. Toby creates more than Cooley Arvey does. Well, it hasn't showed up on the score sheet. Well, he's got eight points. Cooley Arvey's got, what, three on the season? And he's Four. been half the year in Bakersfield. Well, and Raiders been hurt half the year. I mean, yeah. Pugliarvi, Arby, I, I, I want Pugliarvi to succeed. The, the Oilers want Pugliarvi to succeed. I mean, hopefully today is a, a, a step in the right direction. Pugliarvi's played with Nugent Hopkins the last, what, six games, seven games? He had one point. I don't even think it was with Nugent Hopkins when he got it. I think he was actually on the ice with McDavid when it happened. So they gave him an opportunity. They need something out of the second line. That's why when... Hitch first came, he talked about the fact that he wanted Pugliarvi up from the minors immediately because Hitch realized this team does not have scoring depth on the wings and he needed to find it. He was hoping Pugliarvi was going to be it and he still can be. But right now, Pugliarvi, I, I think his effort level is better. I think his battle level is better, but he's still going to find where to be on the ice at the right time in an open spot to get the puck to shoot the puck. Like, tonight, he, did, like, like he, did. he did tonight, but we have not seen that out of Pugliarvi for most of the last year and a half. 4-1 St. Louis beating Edmonton, the winning goal by former Oiler Patrick Maroon. His comments for BDO, first call debt solutions, bankruptcies and consumer proposals, licensed insolvency trustees. Um, just a comment on the win. You guys looked like you came in here and played a really good road game. Yeah, we played a full 60 minutes. Our PK was our best best opponent. We shut down a really good power play and our power play stepped up when we needed to and that's what it's all about. We talked about this last week, I don't know, a couple days ago where our PK wasn't good but our power play was terrible so uh, we had the best of the worlds and I thought the boys did a really good job of playing a full 60 minute. What did you, you see on it? Oh, just your goal and what did you see on it? Oh, I just, Tomer and Bozak made a good play. Tomer made a great move to take it to the net. Um, I just saw it laying there. I just kind of jabbed my puck away. And right when I hit it, I can tell it went right in. And I made sure to tell Kyle to look at it because I was anxious. I think our line's been really, really strong. We've been getting some really good opportunities. It's just we haven't broken through yet. And hopefully tonight we'll change that. The, the review took so long. Were you, were you starting to maybe worry or get concerned that uh, maybe they weren't going to count it? Well, I think the longer it goes, the better it is for us. I think if it goes longer, they obviously they're making a decision of what 
if it crossed the line or not. And obviously, it went long to see if it was a goaltender interference too. So uh, I'm just glad we found a way tonight. I think, like I said, our linemates, my linemates have been playing really strong, and I'm just glad we broke through tonight. A good start too. I mean, you had the trouble on the weekend. Was the first period a bounce back for you? Yeah, I think getting the first goal out of the way and getting that. I think, like I said, you need four lines in this league. And if you don't have four lines in this league, you're not going to win. Tonight we had all four lines going, all six pier, and, and Jake Allen was making making some great saves. And that's what we have to do to be a complete team. And we haven't been doing that. So tonight we did that. Now we just got to focus on Vancouver on Thursday. Does it mean a little more to get, get this goal, this game winner against your old team? Or? Yeah, it means a lot. Obviously, I've been struggling this year a lot, and I haven't been going in the net as much, and I haven't been finding ways to get the puck into that. So it's nice to break through tonight. Yeah. Well, you've had you've had some terrible puck luck, though. Do you think maybe sometimes these things uh, lead to a bunch of goals? You think maybe that? Uh, hopefully, that hopefully this changes around, and hopefully it can turn into something special here. So uh, obviously it's been a, a tough year for myself, but I'm just glad the boys got the W. This has been a, a great great team. We have a great bunch of guys in here. I think we can turn this thing around if we just keep working hard and being com being competitive every single night. All right, that's Patrick Maroon coming into his old home rink, getting his second of the season. Controversial one, but it does stand up as the game winner. St. Louis over the Oilers 4-1 tonight. First time under Ken Hitchcock. The Oilers have lost back-to-back -back games in regulation time. Hitch is 9-4-2. Edmonton's record 18-14-3. As uh, Maroon gets only his second of the season, Tarasenko hadn't had a point in a point in seven games, and he gets a goal on the power play tonight. You know, it's it's hard to believe that Maroon has struggled as much as he has after what we've seen here. But the one that's shocking is Tarasenko. I mean, this is a dominant superstar in the National Hockey League, and and tonight he scores a goal, but. Still, he, he did not look anywhere close to the player that we've seen in the past. And I think it's a team, a team and players on a team that are lacking confidence. And you find it hard to believe that a guy that's, you know, a perennial, you know, 30, 40 goal scorer every year could lack confidence. But he did not look like the same player. Uh, the one worry, and Bob and I talked about it after the game, is this game tonight, the Oilers are playing St. Louis. St. Louis, you think, are out of it. They Oilers could have pushed them 13 points behind them in the standings and just kind of more separation. We've all thought that the Blues were a better team than their record is. They thought that we thought that this Blues team was going to be pushing for a playoff spot with the addition of Ryan O'Reilly. You do not want to give them any life. You do not want to say, all right, you know, there's a glimmer of hope. You get on a bit of a run, you can fight your way back into it. That's why it's disappointing for the Oilers because they could have put these guys completely in their rearview mirror and not have to worry about them the rest of the year, and they unfortunately didn't do that. All right, 4-1 St. Louis takes it. Edmonton remains in the second and final wildcard spot in the West with 39 points. They're one point behind Vegas, two points ahead of Dallas. The Stars shut out Calgary. 2-0 tonight. They remain three ahead of Minnesota. Minnesota beaten 4-0 by the San Jose Sharks as we check your scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Drive away with your new used trailer. Head to edmontontrailer.com. Lightning lead the Canucks 3-1 in the third. Kings up 3-1 on the Jets after two. Panthers get past the Sabres 5-2. Toronto wins big in New Jersey 7-2. Rangers over the Ducks 3-1. Flyers edge the Red Wings 3-2. Blackhawks win at home 2-1 against the Predators. And it's the Islanders getting a 3-1 decision against the Arizona Coyotes. Oilers lose 4-1 here at Rogers Place. 780-496-0063. We'll welcome Tony to the show. Tony, nice to hear from you. Hey, how's it going, boys? Pretty good. 
Um, first of all, I know a lot of people are going to be talking about this, but I have no idea how they considered that a goal. In my, like, from when I was watching on my TV, I did not see the puck. Like, yeah, the puck went in. But first of all, Maroon shoved it in somehow, and I don't know how that was a goal because isn't if isn't the the rule that if the puck is shoved in by a stick, it's an automatic no goal? Because if the, if the pad is shoved in by the stick, yes, it shouldn't it shouldn't be a goal. And there. from what I saw is the fact that when the puck went in, because he had the, he had the puck. Like he had full possession of the puck, and then and then three of the like three of the blues got into the blue area. Maroon really shoved the puck in, like either Maroon or Bozak. They really just put their stick on his pad and shoved it in, and they said goal. I'm like thinking, so what? It you know now it's okay to shove the uh, the the, um, the goaltender's pad in the, the goaltender's pad in the net now? Like I don't understand. Well, they, Hitch Hitch explained after the game the explanation they got was they. The player pushed the puck in, and the pad went with the puck. That's the referee's explanation. Yeah. Tony, we know you're not going to like it, and no one listening is going to like it unless the odd St. Louis or Calgary fans are listening, which sometimes sometimes they do. I mean, I, that's what they ruled. Um, the Oilers have got some calls go their way recently. This is a tough one. They, they didn't play well enough tonight. And it, you don't want it to come down to a play like that. You could have had a 3-1 lead at that point in the game. Yep. The, the Oilers, they wasted power play opportunities. That's where they lost the hockey game. Oilers fall 4-1 whenever the Oilers get to five or more in a game. We turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com slash Oilers. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appy at Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Edmonton South, downtown Northside, and Sherwood Park, the good old Japanese Village Goal Light. We got there a couple times under Hitch, but the offense uh, not clicking as well lately. All right, let's go back down to the Oilers dressing room and see what Cam Talbot thinks about that controversial goal courtesy of GCL Diesel, genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices, gcldiesel.com. But they, there, there was a review that looked like it was over, but was it more of the goalie interference? What did you think happened? Uh, at first, I didn't think that it crossed the line. I thought I had it. Um, but then uh, when they called it a goal, I thought for sure it would be um, called back just based on, you know, I thought that my pad was pushed in. But, um, you know, Kyle came up to me, gave him credit. He said that he thought that uh, the puck had crossed the line before my pad was pushed and gave me an explanation and, you know, just didn't go our way tonight. You don't get a lot of luck on those, huh? Not so much. <laughs> no. Can't no, remember the one, the one first one you did get luck on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember the first one I got luck on was last year in, in L.A. Brown kind of pushed me in, and I thought it was, you know, a similar play. But, you know, um, like you said, sometimes those, uh, those calls don't go your way, but a lot of times they don't go my way for some reason. But I don't know. All right, that's Cam Talbot referencing uh, referee uh, Kyle Riemann tonight discussing the the play with him. Remember, remember that wild weekend they had last year? Anaheim and L.A. back-to-back games. Anaheim tied it with a couple of late goals. I think the Oilers won on a shootout. And that L.A. play won, Rob. I think there was about 19 seconds left in the game. At first, they reviewed whether or not the puck was over the line because originally they said it wasn't. So then they looked at it and said, oh, the puck did cross the line. Then the Oilers challenged for goalie interference and said that Brown wedged Talbot's pad into the net, and that's why the puck crossed the line. And that one, as Talbot said, was one of the few he feels uh, 
went went his way. You're not hearing a lot of. We've heard from Hitch. We heard from Talbot. We'll hear from McDavid later on. We're not. We're not hearing. Uh, certainly, I mean, look, everybody's going to reference the, the game five against Anaheim. The Oilers were peeved after yes. that game, and you could hear it. Uh, you, you don't hear that that level from the dressing room tonight, I, I think, because the stakes obviously weren't as high as the playoff game, and I think they realized that there was a lot of other issues today. Well, I, I think they realized that wasn't what lost on the hockey game. They didn't play as well as they should have. This is a game that... You know, they they didn't win in Vancouver. They have this game tonight. Then they play against a very, very good te- Tampa team coming up. They didn't want to go into Tampa on a two-game losing yeah. streak. They're playing against a St. Louis team that's 11 points behind them in the standings, struggling with injuries, struggling with goaltending, had a coaching change that didn't work. This was a game that they felt if you come out in the first 10, 15 minutes of this game, you could, you know, take the will away from the Blues. And they didn't do that. The Blues were better in the first and then the Oilers had their opportunities in the second and didn't take... I mean, their power play was as bad as I've seen it in the last couple of years for creating chances. So I think the frustration right now in the Oilers' dressing room wasn't on the referee's call. The frustration in their dressing room was on the way that they played and the way that their power play didn't give them the boost they needed. There was actually another video review in this game on the Oilers' only goal. Pulley Yarby from Karen Jones. The Blues challenged for offside on the zone entry, and it was actually the Oilers stepping off the bench on a line change, which you don't, Rob, you know I'm not a fan of the offside challenge in general. I mean, and a guy's going to the bench. A lot of the doors in the NHL rinks now extend, some of them extend quite deep, actually. Well, it's because the the NHL made the rule where the benches have to be on the same side. And there's usually a space at center ice, so the bench is going quite deep. And uh, it was tough. To, it was tough to tell. They, they they left it stand on the ice. If the Oilers players' skate was definitively on the ice, they probably would have waved that one off. I'm not a fan of the offside challenge, but to me, there's a point where there should be a little common sense. I mean, sometimes a guy is squeezing through the door. He's or he's waiting for someone to to, to sit down. But that's it's still offside. That's the the rule well, says. I know, yeah. I know. I mean, you're I, a, I know you're a letter of the law guy. But with I, that I'm not as. But I mean, if you, if it's always going to be. Um, gray area then you could be you're adding gray area to everything so it can't be gray area it's, if his foot's on it's offside if it's not on it's it, it's good so the, it has to be black and white um i i don't like it i but that's the call it, it, was, it was just strange normally when a penalty is assessed if you get it wrong normally the coach is going to be 100 percent sure that the challenge is going to be correct. That's why, because we didn't see it coming. Because they're in. trying to discourage challenges yes. by having that. So you better be right. And then the fact that it wasn't, then you're like, ooh, that was, I mean, that game could have turned there. And there's a great opportunity for, for the Oilers. We talk about the frustration they have in their dressing room. They score a goal. They get a power play afterwards. That game, imagine the bench yeah. for the St. Louis Blues. If all of a sudden they went from one nothing up, and in 30 seconds or 40 Whatever. seconds they're down 2-1, that would have just deflated the whole bench. But the St. Louis Blues kill that off, and now they got a boost on their bench. And the St. or in the Edmonton Oilers, you know, their power, their power play let them down, and that's the reason they lost hockey. Well, and you know, there was a lot of talk about Hitch trying to work the officials before this game. The Oilers got five power plays, but I mean, three of the penalties on St. Louis are there, there's not even a judgment call. The too many men, yeah. the delay of games, an automatic one on the missed offside challenge, and then they shot the puck over the yeah. over the glass. So. You know, the Oilers had these power plays handed to them, that they didn't even have to do anything physically to earn being tripped or slashed, and they still couldn't take advantage. 4-1, the Blues win it. 780-496-0063. We'll bring in Troy before we break for the news. Go ahead, Troy. 
Hi, how are you? Quite well. I'm just, uh, well, the boys, they, they played a lazy game today. and They had their chances of scoring goals. And uh, they didn't do good, so good on the power play. And, uh, yeah, sometimes uh, goalie interference or goals that don't get called your way, you don't cry about it later. you got to play better. And uh, they didn't do that tonight, but nothing new. Hopefully they get a uh, better start next game. And I'm just wondering, uh, what whatever happened to the player they picked up from the waivers from Carolina? Zinkoff? Zinkoff, healthy scratch tonight. Healthy scratch. Okay. So yep. did he play? I wasn't too sure. No, no, he was scratched. He has played. He didn't. He didn't play tonight. He's oh, played a okay. few games. Yeah, but he was okay. scratched tonight. Yeah, thanks for it. Well, and I mean, Troy, something a good summer. And the others just weren't sharp. I mean, nope. a lot of missed passes, failed clears. Uh, and, and it started right from right from Connor McDavid. I mean, this was not a great game for Connor. Hey, there were a perfect example on the power play, wide open, walks in, and he fans on a shot. I mean, this is a guy that's all world. Uh, everyone has an off night, and unfortunately tonight, too many Oilers had an off night. All right, we'll get to Andrew and Jonathan on the open line. You'll hear from Connor McDavid and Blues coach, former teammate of yours, Craig Berube. We're live in Studio 99. Blues take down Edmonton 4-1, presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 10. Patrick Maroon driving in from the right-hand side. Another hometown boy. Wrist shot Thomas and a save made by Cam Town. That was a good save on Robert Thomas. All right, save of the game for Jiffy Loop, keeping you moving to and from the game. JiffyLoopService.ca. Cam Talbot winds up making 26 saves on 29 shots. Blues also get an empty netter to win 4-1. Jake Allen gets the win. He makes 22 stops on 23 shots. Yessi Pugliarvi, the only oiler to score tonight. Kara and Jones get the assist. First NHL point for Caleb Jones. Jujar Kara later ejected from the game for a cross-check to the head of uh, Blues defenseman Vince Dunn. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins checking in from Studio 99. You're going to hear from Connor McDavid in a sec. First, Andrew at 780-496-0063. Hey, Andrew, go ahead. Hey, how's it going, guys? Well, we're doing okay. Uh, well, so I just wanted to ask a quick question. Uh, everyone's being a couch GM about this uh, no-call, uh, no-goal, but uh, wondering, forget about today's game. What about for any other situation? Why does the war room have different camera angles than what we see on TV. Can we just all see the same thing so there's no controversy? If it's in, it's in. If it's not, then we see the play. Why do they have a view that we don't? What's the reason? Uh, I agree. I don't know why they would have other angles and not give it. I, I mean, there's no controversy for the, the war room because they, they, well, they see what's right or wrong and they make the call. It just, for the rest of the fans, left wondering. I, I, I think that we should all have the same angles. I mean, obviously, if there's a TV that's showing or a camera that's showing the angle that shows one thing or another, it should be available for everyone. I don't know the reasoning behind that at all. All right, let's go back down to the Oilers dressing room, and here is Captain Connor McDavid. First watched it, I uh, didn't really ever see the puck. I still haven't really ever seen the puck, but I'm sure you can see it uh, on some angle. Um, I don't really know what the explanation is on it but they call it a goal and that's all that matters 
Before that, you know, in the first two periods, you guys have five power plays, and you know, kind of similar to what Vancouver did. You know, a few over the glass, uh, delayed penalties, and just weren't able to take advantage. But what, what do you feel was maybe missing on the power play tonight? Yeah, it just wasn't sharp. Um, it wasn't good enough. That's all. All right, uh, quick comments there from Connor McDavid. Well, power play, power play wasn't sharp. So there you go. How many shots did they have on the power play? Not enough. Uh, they had three big three shots on the power play. Five power plays, three shots. Three shots. Yeah. Against a goaltender that has had a, have a tough year. Very, a very team tough that's year. had a tough year. Yeah. They they didn't have a didn't play well enough. I mean, you go into the third tide, so you're thinking, all right, maybe somehow they get something out of this game. But uh, the uh, video review doesn't go their way, and then Jujar takes the major, and then the, the Blues get an empty netter. So four one your final damage tonight. 780-496-0063. We have Jonathan standing by. Good evening, Jonathan. Uh, good evening. Um, just uh, I have three quick things. Uh, first of all, if the call on Pugliarvi's goal had been disallowed on uh, they had declared that it was offside, then wouldn't it also follow that they would receive a two-mini-min on the ice penalty? Um, that's a good question, but they, that's not how they rule it. They just rule the guy offside. Okay. Uh, second one. Uh, I agree with the previous caller that we should get Pugliarvi uh, on uh, either the first or the second unit power play. I think that he could be effective um, uh, with that. And also, I don't know if this has ever been done before, but... Could you do a trick play? Now, I know there's not a lot of trick plays that you can do in hockey. Uh, you see it all the time in football. But a trick play where you do a goaltender change in the middle of play. So the play is down in the op opposition's end. You bring Talbot out. You throw Koskinen in. If there's a breakout by St. Louis. They're going to see a completely different goal in front of them. It's going to confuse the heck out of them. It, it will not make a difference at all. And all it's going to do is put a goaltender in there that's cold. No, they're not going to do that. As for putting Pugliarvi on your first or second unit, there's been two coaches here with over, I'm guessing, I don't know, 1,300 wins in the National Hockey League that have yet to find him capable of playing on their first power play unit. Power play unit. So I'm going to believe and go with what those two coaches see as they've got a much better grasp of, of what he's capable of and what the team needs than, than us sitting here in the stands watching. But two coaches, Hitchcock and Todd McClellan, neither have seen him fit yet. They want to get him there. They, they want to get, get him there. there. They, absolutely, they want him there. But it's not he's just not there yet. And he was on the PK a bit tonight. That's our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Oilers lose 4-1. Two straight losses in regulation under Hitch for the first time. Tyler will finish the play when we get back. We also have Andrew on hold. You'll hear from St. Louis coach Craig Berube. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. Final tonight of Rogers play. St. Louis Blues 4, Oilers 1, 3 in the third for the Blues including a controversial one by Patrick Maroon that uh, was not 
initially called a goal on the ice. They looked at it, and they said the puck in the net under Talbot's pad. Oilers challenge for goalie interference unsuccessfully. Uh, Martin tweeting me. He says, here are my questions on that goal. If the officials lost sight of the puck, he is supposed to blow the whistle. Why no whistle? If he didn't lose sight and called it no goal on the ice, then how did it get overturned? Well, those are good questions. Very good. But I guess we can assume that they, when they looked at it, they said the pad goes back in before the ref deemed the play dead. Because as, as, as we mentioned off the top, Rob, and, and, and you were right, that that can't, that can't be reviewed when the whistle, when the ref thought the play yeah. was dead. But he could have said, he could have said, no, in my mind, I, that play was dead before anything else happened. So he's, that, that could have washed everything that, out. Yeah, but that would have been done before there was any Yes, any that's replay. what I'm yes. saying. Yeah. If the Blues would have challenged it, he could have said, or, or when, when the command center called down, when the war room called down, he could have... There's so, so many, many scenarios to this. Yeah. It's, well, it's funny, too. When they first started going over to the penalty box... I had no idea I had why. no idea what it was for, either. I'm like, okay, why is he going over there? I'm like, okay, what happened here? I did see on the replay... Now, attacking players are always going to try to do this, but I did see Bo- Bozak pointing at, at the net as, as, as Talbot was covering the puck. But if a player does that, usually he knows. A uh, player's not going to point at the, the net. I mean, in football, I've seen where guys will point when it's... They'll fumble. point fumble one way, <laughs> yeah. and they're just saying that just because they want to be on TV pointing one way. But hockey players, usually when they point, it's because they know. It's just like when a guy puts his hands up first, he knows that he tipped the puck and it went in the net. So Bozak obviously knew that it had to have been close, but no one in the entire arena here had any idea why... Hey, what, why is he doing that? What's going on? And then all of a sudden we're reviewing. It's like, uh-oh, this isn't going to end well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, tough call. I think a lot of the questions we're getting on the phone call and on the text line are, are valid, yep. valid questions. We're trying to figure out what, what the league was, was thinking. So, uh, you know, again, we've seen a few video reviews lately uh, in Oilers games. This one does not go their way. We have Tyler on the line. Tyler, we're going to finish the play with you, but first give us your thought. Um, just a couple things. The first thing I thought, letter of the law, like I heard you talking earlier, you're, you're a big fan of letter of the law. If it, if you cannot see the puck, I thought you cannot conclusively say that that is a goal. Um, I mean, that's just me. I was at the game. I, that's We didn't see a replay until after they had ruled that it was a goal. Yeah. Um, no, I you, mean, make, you make a great point. I, I compare it. And I'm not saying I like this necessarily, but there are times when a, a goalie will put his hand on the puck and his hand will go back into the net. And yep. they'll say, well, that's a goal because we know where the puck is. They decided the, the puck was under Talbot's pad back in the net before the ref deemed the play was dead. Yeah, I get that. But, I mean, the pad is so big. Like, how could they definitively say where where that puck is? That's just, I mean, no, I can't fair, say for it's sure. A question. It's a fair, fair question. question. It's Although, I mean, I, I, I believe that the war room on some of these, this one, I think, they had enough evidence to to call it a goal because there, this was not called a goal on the ice. They actually yeah. called and said, hey, we, we need to see this. happened, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, another thing, too, is how many turnovers were there this game for the Oilers? Like, it felt like every time they were... Well, yeah. Way too many. They're, the stats have 18 giveaways, but there it were... It felt like more than that. There were a lot. Or just a lot of flub passes where maybe it still went to an Oiler, but it changed the timing of the attack or the breakout. Uh, absolutely. Oh, 
For sure, yeah. And I mean, I kind of want to finish off on a positive too, at least from from where I was sitting. I, I seen uh, Caleb Jones. It seemed like he had a really good game. Uh, anytime he did make a mistake, it seemed like he recovered well. Um, I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on Caleb Jones in the last, well, this game and even last game? I, I've liked him. I, I really do. And obviously, Ken Hitchcock likes what he's seeing, too. He played 18 minutes tonight. Every single game he's played more. So I agree. I think Caleb Jones uh, has earned himself another shot. Assist tonight, third star of the game. Tyler, we're going to finish the play. We want to put your name into the grand prize draw for a one-hour rental at Fast Track Indoor Karting. Safe, adrenaline pumping fun. FastTrackKartingEdmonton.com. Knocked down by Allen. He'll send it around the boards. Ratty able to knock it down, seal the wall for Nugent Hopkins. Cuts inside. Reader a shot. All right, well, this should be an easy one. We'll make this easy for you, Tyler, because you had a really good phone call. Uh, did Reader score on that play? Nope. Knocked down by Allen. He'll send it around the boards. Ratty able to knock it down, seal the wall for Nugent Hopkins. Cuts inside. Reader a shot. And that one off the crossbar. That one uh, with about nine minutes left in the first period. The Oilers were down 1-0 at that point in the game. They lose 4-1 to Craig Berube's St. Louis Blues. Here's Berube for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, License Insolvency Trustees. Uh, long review on the, the yeah. that was eventually. Yeah, they made the right call. They made the right call, yeah. So, um, you know, the guy would have had to touch the puck while the guy was still on the ice changing there. We thought he had the one foot, but uh, he didn't. So it was the right call by the uh, linesman. Oh, on the, on the, on yeah. the side, yeah. yeah. How about the, the long, another long review on the uh, camera? Yeah, um, well, we couldn't really see, uh, you know, on the bench if the puck, like, we, we didn't have the view that they had, obviously. But, uh, you know, it's good. It was, um, you know, obviously a big turning point in the game. Yeah, that, uh, the deadline did a good job and got a big goal for us at a big time. Five penalties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, five penalties. I mean, we gotta we gotta do a better job. Um, you know, I'll take the I'll take the blame on the line change. Okay, but uh, we gotta we gotta do a better job in the penalties. Did what? Did you just just it, it was just it, it just happened. But I'll take the heat on that one. Okay. Uh, what do you think overall? of the response after well, was, yeah it was a real solid team effort i thought that you know man to man you know everybody was dialed in and played a real solid game uh for 60 minutes um you know special teams are big we scored a big power play goal um penalty kill was excellent guys guys did a great job on the mcdavid line when whoever was out there against them. I thought Perinko and Edmondson did a fantastic job against those guys tonight. What, uh, can you All right, that's Craig Berube, head coach of the St. Louis Blues, as they get a 4-1 win over the Oilers. And uh, Rob and I are looking at some more video here on uh, Twitter from Fox Sports Midwest uh, showing the puck. It's in, in. in in the net. It was in the net. Yeah, it's a great view of it. It shows it quite. Actually, it shows it quite a bit across the goal line. And the one thing you can also see too, there's a white blade stick that looks like it's a St. Louis Blues stick that's pushing the puck and not the pad. So it, we we've seen this now about 30 times. We've got yeah, it's it just replaying over replaying and over, over and over again. It was a goal. It was the right call. All right. Oilers lose 4-1 to the Blues. We'll get to Andrew on the open line in a second. We're live in Studio 99. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by Osmond Auction. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 
630 10. All right, disappointing showing tonight for the Oilers. They go 0 for 5 on the power play, give up 3 in the third to lose 4 1 to the St. Louis Blues. Yessi Puluyarvi, the only goal for the Oilers. Kara and Jones, the assist. Kara later kicked out of the game for cross checking. Vince Dunn of the Blues. Braden Shen, three assists tonight for the Blues. Tarasenko, Perron, Schwartz, and Maroon, the goal scorers. Maroon got the controversial one on the review. It's the game winner, his second of the season. We're inside Studio 99. Rob Brown, Reed Wilkins, and we welcome Andrew on the open line. Hello, Andrew. Hey, how's it going? Doing well, man. Good to hear from you. Hey, uh, so I'm a first-time caller here. I was just in the game with a couple of buddies of mine, and uh, I just wanted to know you guys' thoughts on uh, number 83 out there, because I Personally, I saw him out there, and I thought he was a total liability. But, uh, I mean, you guys are the pros, and I want to hear from you. So, uh, let, let, I mean, yeah, let me know. Um, I mean, Matt Benning's had a, an up-and-down year. Uh, he seems to be the whipping boy for a lot of fans nowadays. I think Matt Benning is a good sixth defenseman. And I think right now that the Oilers, because of the injuries they have, they can't protect any of their defensemen. They have guys playing higher up in the lineup, getting more minutes than uh, they normally would. Uh, tonight he he was okay, um, but yeah, the, I mean, it, it has been uh, up and down for Matt this year. Up and down. I think ideally you wouldn't have a great defense, but you'd have a good defense if you had Clefbaum and Larson, Sekera, and somebody, and nurse Russell and or a Nurse, and then Russell Gravel and. And Benning. Benning are cycling through five, six, yeah, seven. I agree. I, I, I think right now you're seeing, I mean, this is three of your top five defensemen out of your lineup. That is huge. That is huge. And it's not just any three. I mean, I mean you got your 28-minute-a-night guy. You got Russell, who, who is your, your heart and soul. And you got Sekra, who, until he got injured the first time, was their best defenseman. That is a, that's a lot to overcome. And unfortunately for the Oilers, uh, it doesn't look like any of them are going to be back soon. Unless Russell comes back right after, maybe, uh, maybe he comes maybe, back hopefully. before the end of the month. Yeah. But uh, having said that, they have put together some not bad nights with this, these players in the lineup. It's it's tough. It, it's it's really tough the way the Oilers have to get through this. But all teams have injury problems, and you just got to try and gain points as much as you can until you get healthy. All right, you can get more on 630Ched.com. Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to two tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from six to eight. This is going to be cool. World figure skating champ Caitlin Osman will be co-hosting the show with me. Well, I wouldn't be surprised by the end of next week she is running the show and very well and could happen. And your figure skating. I'll just be camping out here. <laughs> oh, thanks, Rob. That's you're giving me way too much credit for being any sort of an athlete. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer at 6:30, Chet, and to Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place. Oilers Hockey presented by Osmond Auction. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. 6.30 face-off show Saturday, 8 o'clock game time against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.